What's up, Substackers? Coming to you on my handy-dandy cell phone out here in the park on a park walk. It's been a lovely day, y'all. It is up to 62 degrees here in Georgia, which is a, um, a, a rise of 50 degrees from what it was not but a couple days ago when it was 17, which I know a lot of y'all from the Midwest are like 17, positively balmy. That's pretty cold for us down here. And uh, just like it normally does when the weather changes, my dear wife is sick. I say normally, normally it's me that gets sick, not her. She's rarely sick, but you know, I guess ever since the baby, considering that she is uh, every day responsible for pouring some of her life into the life of a small babe, you know, it affects the immune system, or at least that's what I told her to make her feel better. I'm sure that that's true though. Anywho, been a lovely morning. Uh, while I was out here in the park, I ran into my buddy Thomas, the most tattoo-covered man of all time. Thomas, if you're listening, you're a lunatic. Uh, I've known Thomas for, uh, I guess, my entire life. Yeah, 30 years. Uh, I'm 36. Yeah, we met playing baseball as kids, so 30 years. One of my dearest friends, this motherfucker, y'all, I'm not kidding, like I've always, I've always said that Thomas identifies as a squid because he's mostly ink <laughs> at this point. Like there's not, he keeps telling me all the time, he's like, yeah, I'm going to get a new tattoo. And I'm like, where, your b-hole? He's like, no, I already got one there. <laughs> he doesn't. But eventually, that's going to be the last place that he can get one is on his b-hole. And matter of fact, this son of a bitch is so covered. He told me yesterday, <clears throat> by the way, this isn't what this rant is going to be about, but, you know, uh, as rants go, I'm babbling. Hey, I'll go ahead and give you your prompts for today. <coughs> Excuse me. Your prompts for today, because I'm going to be talking about movies a little bit. What was your favorite movie of 2023? What was the best movie of 2023? Obviously, sometimes those are the same, but not always. Not in my case, at least. But also, what was the best movie you saw in 2023? Meaning... That it didn't have to come out in 2023, but maybe you rewatched an old classic or you just, for the first time, watched an old movie and you're like, that's the best movie of 2023. Um, back to Thomas. Uh, he told me, and maybe y'all with tattoos already knew this, but his arms are so tattooed up that he can't, he can't wear an Apple Watch because the Apple Watch doesn't read that it's on a person. Like it doesn't sense that it's on flesh because of Thomas's tattoos. And I'm just blown away by that because like it can't be a color thing because like, you know, it would be a problem if people with darker complexion couldn't wear an Apple watch. I guess it's because that part of his wrist is no longer flesh. It is but ink <laughs> to dip a quill in. No idea, but that was crazy to me. I had no idea that was a thing. Anyways, shout out to Thomas. Love you, buddy. We had a wonderful conversation about stuff that I won't get into. The reason I wanted to talk about movies today and use that specific prompt was because I was... Today, today the episode dropped. You can go check it out. Doug Loves Movies, uh, which is a podcast uh, that Doug Benson uh, hosts. Doug Benson, an insanely popular comedian, and Doug Loves Movies, an insanely popular podcast Here's, if you, if y'all are like new to the podcast world, Doug Loves Movies was like one of the first podcasts. It's crazy to think about a time when there wasn't that many podcasts, but like, it's at least in the world of comedy, 
back in the day, it was Mark Marin and Doug Benson, and then here came Joe Rogan. But like now, obviously, the market is flooded and saturated, and it's crazy, and uh, which is both a good thing and bad thing. Uh, it's a good thing, in my opinion, that anyone that has an idea can just do it, because back in the day, if you had a creative idea someone had to let you do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, if you had a creative idea for an audio show, you would have to get on the radio and they have to let you do that. But now anybody with, I would say, you know, given you've already got a computer, a $100 investment, you can have a podcast. Uh, actually less than that. It's just that, you know, any, anything less than a hundred dollars, your microphone's probably not gonna be that good. But it is possible now with editing software to clean it up. What the fuck ever, Corey? Jesus. Anyways, I was on Doug Loves Movies today. You can uh, go listen to that episode. I came on the show today as the reigning champ. Uh, yeah, your boy won uh, last week, so I get to keep coming back on, I guess, until I lose, which is awesome because I've been on Doug Loves Movies like, I think yesterday was my fifth or sixth time and I, I was like 0 for 3 in the first couple goes, and then I've had some luck. And I always get like really self-conscious when I go on there because I'm a huge fan of movies. But when you like, in my, in my neck of the woods, like in Chickamauga, I would be considered a film buff. You know what I mean? Much like the fact that um, to my friends, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, but to actual Star Wars nerds, I'm such a casual fan. You know what I mean? It's all about perspective. It's all about who I'm standing next to. So like hanging out the bonfire with my friends, oh dude, you know, I can bring up Kurosawa and talk about the importance of Citizen Kane and all that stuff. But then I get on this game show with people who are certified Rotten Tomatoes critics and I'm like, oh shit. Uh, like, yes, in, in the episode today, I went up against a Hollywood director. But anyways, the, 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 what made me think to record this today is that Doug has asked me this question twice this year on the show. When I first went on in January, back early January, he said, okay, I want everybody to tell us what, their, what the best movie of 2023 was, right? And my answer, trying to be, there was part of me that wanted to go, oh, just... Just say the most obscure film you saw in 2023 because that'll make you sound smart, you know. But I wanted to be honest. And I thought at the time that Oppenheimer was the best movie of 2023. Not, and not only was it the best, it was probably my favorite because I'm a huge Christopher Nolan mark. And y'all also know I'm a huge history mark. I'm using the terms mark here instead of buff because I'm not a history buff. Again, perspective. It depends on who I'm standing next to. If you put me next to, you know, maybe the average person in my hometown who only knows one side of history about one particular war, then yeah, I'll probably look like a history buff. But, you know, if we're talking to a professor, I'm a dum-dum. But I'm a huge fan of both these things. I love, uh, I love Syrian Murphy, if that's how you say his name. I always get it wrong. Every time I say it the other way, I'm like, no, that was wrong. Uh, he's great. Peaky Blinders is one of my favorite shows of all time. So good. Love Robert Downey Jr. Love Florence Pugh for <clears throat> all reasons. Uh, <laughs> I can't. Okay. Uh, tremendous, tremendous actor is the number one reason I love her, but she's easy on the eyes. So that movie really hit for me. Loved it, right? Uh, and I thought the scope of it 
was great. I mean, it was shot on IMAX. It's, I love black and white. I'm a huge mark for black and white. And I just thought it was a spectacle. So I gave that as my answer. I was then promptly a little bit shat on by everybody, I guess for giving the most obvious answer. But I was like, I don't know, man. You know, sometimes the most obvious thing is the right thing. I, then, I told them, I said, well, okay, I have a couple OLIs, which is outside looking in. That's a Dan Lebitard show reference. I was like, I, was like I, I recently just saw the holdovers and I love the holdovers. And I thought that Paul Giamatti 100% at least deserves the nomination. And also that it was a wonderful, wonderful movie. But we're, it's, it's, it almost makes it unfair that those two movies have to go against each other in a competition because they're so different. Like, they're so different. Like, if we're talking about best picture, because it's all subjective, right? But if we're going with best picture, it's like, look, very rarely in the history of the Oscars has a movie that made a billion dollars, which I don't know if Oppenheimer did, but you feel me, like, all the Marvel movies made a billion dollars. Like, rarely is that movie not only not going to win the Oscar for Best Picture, but probably not even be nominated. But it's like, I don't know, America kind of thought it was the best picture. (laughs) You know what I mean? But it's not up to America. It's up to the Academy. So you take a movie like The Holdovers, which is, you know, a borderline independent movie, very small cast, not too expensive of settings. I mean, it's a little expensive because uh, it was a period piece not like a, you know, Victorian era period piece, but like Vietnam War period piece. And people don't really think about it a lot, but like those movies inherently are going to be more to produce just starting from the fact that it's a period piece because you have to specifically costume it differently. Like you have to choose the clothes based on the era instead of if you're doing a modern movie, you can just, hey, what do you got at home? You know what I mean? And also when you shoot an outside shot, you've got to take the time to make the street look like it was in the past. So you can't just go, yeah, this looks good. Like you have to do all that shit. Uh, Which by the way, is why I've been discouraged so many times uh, uh, of writing period pieces, even though for some reason, and y'all can attest to this, what with Colonel Cornbread and the Chickalookie Carol, I just love that, I love that shit. Um, But people are always like, my agent's like, look, you're never going to sell a fucking screenplay or a TV show, You're, you know, if it's a period piece. You don't hit that hard. And I'm like, I agree with you. I don't hit that hard. But you've got that movie, which was a, a character study. It's not insanely flashy. There aren't these big, expensive set pieces. But it's such a good fucking movie and a great story told. But then, like, how is it supposed to compete with a movie that had an insanely higher budget, way more star power, and was a historical biopic. And it's just like, again, like that's how the Oscars are. And like as, as stupid and, you know, completely unnecessary and certainly masturbatory that the Oscars are, I'm glad they exist because it's, you know, it is fun. It's like, uh, it's like the Super Bowl for people in my industry, uh, the Super Bowl is my Super Bowl, but still, you get what I'm saying. And by the way, I am uh, not in any way trying to elevate myself to the level of these are my peers in the industry. But 
at the end of the day, it is the entertainment business. It is something that I want to be more heavily involved in, and it's cool. And, you know, I love seeing, like, Paul Giamatti winning an Oscar will be so fucking awesome. Because if you like Paul Giamatti and are a fan of Paul Giamatti, you're, you want him to be successful, right? I do. That'll earn him 20% more in the next movie he does. He'll be able to pick any role that he wants, which, for the record, I, Paul Giamatti already has a lot of that. But Paul Giamatti is a rare, a super rare case of a character actor who can also be a leading man and we buy it. Like, that's really rare. You know, like back in the day, your leading men were always Cary Grant, Humphrey Bogart, Robert Redford, these classically attractive people. And the character actors are the ones who are less dashing but add flavor to the movies. And oftentimes, the character actors are the best actors on the fucking set. But in many cases, it's only because the leading man isn't allowed to really stretch all of these muscles because the studio doesn't want them to act per se. They want them to be beautiful on screen and they're not allowed to be quirky, which, you know, Doug actually talked about on the episode yesterday is what makes Brad Pitt and George Clooney stand out because they're classic, handsome leading men, but they're also not afraid to do burn after reading and look silly, do Oh Brother Where Art Thou and look silly. I mean, Brad Pitt... In, in Burn After Reading is so goddamn funny. Um, but anyways, the dudes like Giamatti that actually achieve leading man status are few and far between. Like some other examples I can think of are like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip's rest in peace, dude. What a goddamn talent. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, the, the consummate character actor who was always there to assist the leading man in adding humor or levity or just really chewing up a scene and making it hit really hard. Um, He hit so hard at that that he achieved, hey, well, he's going to be a leading man. Now, granted, these people are never going to be leading men in a romantic comedy or like an action movie, but they can be leading men in a biopic that, you know, maybe they resemble this person and they're able to act like it. Like that, that can happen, like Capote. You know, you can't put George Clooney as fucking Capote. <laughs> you just can't. Granted, I, with prosthetics and stuff, I'm certain that George Clooney could pull it off because he could pull off anything. But my point is, is how do you compare the greatness of the holdovers and Oppenheimer? Because they're two just completely different things. They just both happen to be movies, but they're completely different genres. And, you know... I don't know how I feel about this because as soon as you do it, it's going to sort of taint and bastardize it, I guess, a little bit. But, like, comedians for years... No, you know what? I do agree with it. There should be a comedy category at the Oscars. And let me lay out my case for why. Because the up-their-ass, silver-spoon-in-their-mouth motherfuckers in the Academy of Motion Pictures and Arts rarely ever recognize comedy when it comes time for the Oscars. Uh, There's been a couple notable exceptions. Robert Downey Jr. was nominated for Tropic Thunder, as he fucking should have been. (laughs) One of the greatest performances, comedy or not, of all time, Robert Downey Jr. in that movie. But it's rare that it happens because the Oscars go for more sappy, dramatic, heartstring, fucking, you know, 
snobbishy shit. It's why there for a while, and it still could happen, I guess, like there for a while, dude, the, the Oscar winner, most people had never even seen. And it was just like, oh yeah, the Academy loved it. And it's like, okay, well, and I guess they'll see it after it wins the Academy Award. Like that's happened many a times where a movie wasn't that popular, it wins the Academy Award, boom, it's a hit. Um, but some of the greatest performances in movies have been co in comedies because, <clears throat> and you can ask any actor this, I say any actor, th all the ones that I've talked to. Now, I've tried my hand at acting and I'm not good at it. I'm not horrible at it, but you know, I haven't been practicing that for 20 years like I have stand-up comedy, so why the fuck would I be? as good at it but there's a lot of actors they'll be like oh what you do is harder than what i do and i'm like no 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 and they go well at least in the world of acting comedy acting is harder than dramatic acting and i go actually i think i can agree with you there because someone being a great com being a great dramatic actor doesn't necessarily mean they can do comedy because there's a certain timing that comedy requires that dramatic often doesn't i said often it's not that it never does but it often doesn't but dude you y'all tell me I don't remember what year The Nutty Professor came out. I don't, I about don't give a fuck what year it was or how many other actors that were stacked were nominated. Eddie Murphy deserved the Oscar for Nutty Professor. This motherfucker played every character in the goddamn movie and carried it and crushed and was believable. You know there were so many people that didn't realize he was all those people. That is acting, my friend. And made you laugh every time. Dude was having conversations with himself, absolutely murdering it. Matter of fact, there was an interview uh, with Eddie Murphy after the movie, oh God, I can't remember the one he was in that he was nominated for an Oscar. And they were talking to him about like, oh, your performance was great. They're like, there's this one part in the movie where you give this look and that look, I mean, where, where, did, you, where did you come up with that look? And Eddie Murphy was like, look, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I didn't do anything, I, a look. He's like, do you know what all I had to go through in Nutty Professor? That should have been, and I'm like, I agree with you. Hey dude, Ace Ventura. <laughs> like in a lot of things Jim Carrey was in, his performance was absolutely, insane it's just that because they're screwball comedies the academy's not going to take them seriously right but we have to compare them all but so if there was a comedy category it would be a little bit more fair because not that you know life ain't fair not everybody deserves something but like there's people doing such great work in the comedic filmmaking uh, medium that are never going to be recognized by the top prize in the country which is the standard to which that industry holds people in their profession and it's kind of bullshit. So those are my answers <laughs> that I gave the first time around. Well, because I was the first repeat guest of 2024, Doug unknowingly, he forgot that he'd already asked me that. So he asked me it again yesterday. And I was like, well, I don't want to, I, I told him, I said, well, I don't want to give the same answer I gave last time. And I said, and also, uh, since I was on the podcast last, I have seen more movies from 2023. So I kinda have a couple of addendums. I was like, cause I wanna say that like, if we're talking about the best movie, not my favorite movie, but the best movie, there is a part of me that wants to say Killers of the Flower Moon. There's a huge part of me that wants to say that. And here's the deal on Killers of the Flower Moon. 
If you ain't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it. Obviously, y'all know the plots, how they promoted the movie. Uh, this was a bunch of white men um, ruining the lives of the Osage uh, Indians. <laughs> and it's brutal. Um, and it's slow at times. And it's definitely a movie that, like, I would only rewatch if I was showing it to someone. But, but, but rewatchability doesn't take away greatness. You know what I mean? Because there's plenty of movies that aren't near as good as that that I could watch a million times. It's different. But the way it was shot, I mean, it's Martin Scorsese for the love of God. The way it's shot is so beautiful. Every performance is great. I'll say this without spoiling the movie. Robert De Niro plays the biggest bag of shit he's ever played before. Think about that for a second. And so convincing at it. And Leonardo DiCaprio plays against type as sort of a useful idiot, right? Kind of just a bumbling, yup, but, 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 but. And he pulls it the fuck off and nails it. And frankly, I don't, it's, it's insane to me that he didn't get nominated. I'm, I'm aware that Leo can't win them all. Hell, the Academy's very aware of that because he, he hasn't. He's won one, I think. But for him not to be nominated for that, uh, maybe I just didn't see all the other performances, but I think I did. But then again, you got to go into the whole like, okay, but who, who would I take out? You know what I mean? Who would I take out? And that's the thing with the, with the whole Barbie scenario of, I guess, Margot Robbie not being nominated and there's a big controversy over it. And it's like, okay, I hear you. And it is super fucking ironic that a movie that was <laughs> basically shining a light on how sexist of a world we live in and the patriarchy and all that shit that is very true and I agree with. It's very ironic that the woman <laughs> didn't get nominated, but fucking Ryan Gosling's character did. But to echo what we were talking about on Douglas Movies yesterday, I mean, Ryan Gosling's character was the best character. They wrote him that way. It's not like they, they were both written to be the exact same way and Ryan Gosling just shined more. Margot Robbie crushed it. But Ryan Gosling's character was more inherently interesting. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. And as far as the best actress goes, I, I don't know who I'd take off to give it to Margot Robbie. And as Doug said, I guess they'll just have to settle for having a billion-dollar movie. Because <laughs> everybody can't win, man. Uh, there obviously is inherent sexism and all that shit. But sometimes it's just like, I don't really know what you do in this situation. Also, dude, you know something I just thought about that I'm in no way educated enough to pontificate any further on than just the sheer words that I'm about to say? And let me preface this by saying... All of y'all know where I stand on trans rights, okay? Uh, and if you're just listening for the first time, where I stand on trans rights is the exact opposite of how most people with my accent feel about trans rights. But uh, that being said, something I've never really thought about and is going to be one of those like, oh, I didn't know this would be a problem until, and I'm certain that they've thought about it. But like, if Hollywood ends up going the route of like, we're not going to have two separate nominations. We're going to, because all actors are the same, male and female, you know. And, and, you know, Elliot Page now, I, I guess, has to go up for best actor, not actress. When they combine those two, like, there's going to be a lot of people that don't get a well-deserved award, you know. 
because everyone's lumped into the same category. Now, granted, obviously, the Oscars, in the grand scheme of trans rights and all of these conversations, is not even a little bit important, and it doesn't matter if the Oscars gets changed, much like female swimming. But that is, that is something I've never really thought of and probably gonna be a thing in our lifetime, and it's definitely uh, not gonna be well received by a large part of the country, and I would imagine a large part of the actors, regardless of their stance on uh, LGBTQ uh, rights, just because it's uh, putting them at a disadvantage. Anyways, we'll put a pin in that for later. I would like to discuss it, but I'd like to discuss it with someone from the trans community so that I can be educated uh, on their feelings for it instead of just being a white dude blabbing about some shit that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm dumb about. So when Doug asked me this time, I was like, man, I think, I think best, I still might have to go with Oppenheimer, but let's change it a little bit, Doug. Let me say my favorite movie of 2023, because often your favorite is not the best. We all know that. Like Joe Dirt is one of my favorite movies of all time. I probably like Joe Dirt and would rather watch Joe Dirt than Citizen Kane. Now, I love Citizen Kane, and uh, I agree that it's arguably the greatest film of all time, but, like, I like Joe Dirt more. But I can... Just because I like Joe Dirt more doesn't mean I'm going to say Joe Dirt is better than Citizen Kane because that's not how it works. Uh, people have lost all their goddamn objectivity. Now, granted, films are subjective, not objective, but, like, I just feel like... Okay, for instance... Steve McNair is my favorite NFL player of all time. But I'm, I would never say he's better than Tom Brady. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I said, Doug, I think my favorite movie of 2023, and maybe the only reason that I didn't mention this last time I was on here is because I forgot what all came out in 2023 for several reasons. Number one, I had a baby, and it was the most busy uh, year of my life, and everything felt like a goddamn blur. Number two, didn't get to, because of aforementioned baby, didn't get to go to the movies a lot. Uh, thank God for streaming. I said, but the movie that really was my favorite, the one I saw in 2023 that I'll probably watch the most times, is Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And I would argue that it's also one of the best because, dude, and, and, and let me say this, I, like many of y'all, absolutely am suffering from superhero fatigue, big time. Big time I'm suffering from it. And that's just a testament to how much Marvel puts out, man. You're gonna, listen, what they did with the Infinity Saga, regardless of how you feel about comic book movies or Marvel or whatever, was unbelievable. It's, it's we will never see anything like that again just because the business is changing. Just like we'll never see someone hit as many home runs as Barry Bonds because now you can't take steroids. It's a different era. Well, dude, I mean, it's, it's incredible what they did. So like, yeah, man, you do that, all that world building and then you end that story and you've got to start back over, not completely from scratch, but kind of, you're going to put out some stinkers. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to put out some stinkers. Now, Guardians of the Galaxy was like already like my favorite Marvel thing ever. So I had a little bit higher hopes. And my man Dave Bautista was in it, and that entire cast rocks. And James Gunn, let's not forget, was directing this. James Gunn can do just about anything when it comes to hitting. I mean, for the love of God, he took DC, who was in the toilet, 
he took DC, then he took a DC character that no one has really ever heard of. And then he puts John Cena, who, don't get me wrong, I know and think that John Cena is an insanely talented comedic actor, but like, he's not, you know, at that time, he wasn't probably heralded as someone who could lead a DC show about a character that most people don't know and make it wildly successful. And James Gunn fucking did it. Uh, now again, Cena did a lot, but like, it, it's, it, it's wild. But Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is, you know, it's the end of the trilogy for the Guardians. Like they're, and, and the way that it was all tied together, not only was it, not only did it have, it had the humor that all of the Guardians have had because that's, that's their style. You know, Batman doesn't have a lot of humor because the comic books aren't written that way. They're written, he's the dark knight. But the Guardians of the Galaxy comic books were written very funny. You know, much like the Cap, uh, Captain America has a different tone because those comic books were written in a different tone. There was some silliness, don't get me wrong, but it was a very, there was, it was a pretty serious, as serious as, you know, people fighting Martians and fucking Nazis that have a red skull can be. But it was a pretty seriously toned, patriotic, here's a badass comic book. Whereas Guardians of the Galaxy, they were jokesters, they were tricksters. You know, it was more camp. It was more fun, right? And I think Guardians of the Galaxy 3 had all of that. But what Guardians of the Galaxy 3 had that most Marvel movies don't have, certainly what neither of the Guardians of the Galaxies had. Now, there were some heart moments in both of the Guardians of the Galaxy, sure, with Drax, with his wife, with Star-Lord and his, his father. Like, But, dude, the emotional roller coaster that that movie takes you through with Rocket the fucking Raccoon's origin story. Y'all, how many people, raise your hand out there, if you had crying at a cartoon raccoon on your 2023 bingo card? I certainly didn't, and I wept. It was a beautiful story that was heart-wrenching, but also wildly entertaining and funny. There was levity, and every single actor rocked, and the movie probably made a billion dollars. So I'm going, man, why why can't shit like that be nominated for Best Picture? It's just because it's all subjective and it's not really the best picture. It's not really the best actor. It's not really the best screenplay. It's who this group of stuffy white motherfuckers thinks. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I know it's like, well, Corey, if you want that, they've got the People's Choice Award. Sure. But I guess what I'm suggesting is that the People's Choice Awards, we should maybe hold that in a higher esteem than we already do. Because at the end of the day, we're what we're doing, and again, I'm not in the same league as any of the people that I just mentioned, but in the entertainment industry, what's that first word? Entertainment. We're trying to entertain. Now, I know some people would be like, well, no, there's some... Some directors and actors that don't care about entertaining, they, they care about the art and getting their point across and displaying a message and holding a mirror to society. Sure, but you still want to do it in a goddamn entertaining way. Otherwise, nobody will ever see the fucking movie and get your message. It's the entertainment business. And look, it's, it's why I have a problem sometimes with people who are like a movie, like they'll put a sequel out 
And they're like, oh, this is just a cash grab. Motherfucker, they all are. It's a business. And like, yeah, man, <clears throat> look, could the world use uh, some more original films than a billion other sequels of something they've already done? I'm not disagreeing that that's not true. Sure. But like, if you, if you are hitting at the table, you don't leave your seat while you're on the street, baby. You know what I mean? And frankly, all those huge box office hits, those companies can then take a risk on a smaller thing. Like, that's how it works. I'm not defending big Hollywood. I'm just saying, like, you got to understand why it happens, <laughs> you know? And I would say that there's still plenty of great passion projects being made out there. It's just like with country music. You've got to go find it. They're not going to play it on the fucking radio. And I would say now with how accessible technology is for people that used to not be able to have access to it, we're, go we're gonna see the dawn of a huge independent era, in my opinion. Um, is, a, is a movie shot on an iPhone as good a quality as something shot on an IMAX camera or even a DSLR? No, of course not. Of course not. But that doesn't mean that you can't capture a good story and clean it up in post and I promise you, people will forgive a little bit of image quality, A, as long as the audio's good, and B, as long as it was a compelling story. I mean, Blair Witch Project, I'm pretty sure still holds the record for most, like most successful film against budget of all time because the movie costs like a dollar to make. It was not good quality, but it was engaging. It was literally a cultural phenomenon, dude. <clears throat> and I also think with how, and I'm surprised this hasn't happened uh, more before, or more more now. Like, Wes Anderson just put out uh, a series of short films based on Roald Dahl's uh, works, and they were good. They were weird. They were different. I don't know if I'll watch them again, but I enjoyed them because, A, I love Wes Anderson. B, love Benedict Cumberbatch. C, Roald Dahl was some shit that I read when I was a kid and hit for me. Um, but they were short films, and, and when that came out, I was, I was telling Amber, I was like, it's kind of weird to me that there haven't been more short films made during this time because everybody in the entertainment industry is constantly telling you as an entertainer, gotta make things shorter. People's attention spans are, you know, they're not, <laughs> they're not what they used to be. You gotta make things shorter. You gotta make things shorter. And you would think that that would mean that people would really be into seeing short films, you know? And now I know a maybe a movie theater is like well we can't charge the same price for a short film as we can for you know whatever we'll put two together i guess <laughs> you know what i mean these people are getting something different because you know trey said it a million times he's like man it's funny if a movie's three hours long i'm like oh fuck that he's like however i'll sit there and watch five or six hour episodes of a show in a row and i'm like yeah i hear you i, I know exactly what you mean so i would say you heard it here first folks there's about to be the dawning of a golden era in short films and I hope I'm able to get in on that. Um, I kind of just lost my place, <laughs> but I did want to know. Uh, oh, and I'll say I'll, I, one last thing. I'll say that the, the best movie I saw in 2023 that didn't come out in 2023 uh, was Singing in the Rain. I had seen it as a kid with my dad. And as a kid, I kind of thought anything my dad likes that is old is not good and I probably didn't pay attention to it much and I just thought well there's no dinosaurs in here so fuck this and I'm going to save most of what I want to say about singing in the rain for a completely separate podcast because if I don't we'll be here for an hour and a half 
I'm going to leave you on this controversial take. I think that Singing in the Rain is the greatest movie of all time. Not even going to tell you why. (laughs) I'm going to let y'all jabber about it in the comments. And then one day soon, I will do a full deep dive on Singing in the Rain. And we can all discuss. If you've never seen it, please do. But anyways, fire off in the comments. What was your favorite movie of 2023? What was the best movie of 2023? Or what was the best movie regardless of the year that you saw in 2023? Thank you all so much for being here on my Substack, Paid or Not. I love you very much. And you will notice that uh, you didn't get an email for this. I'm trying out a new thing where I'm going to send out one email a week. It doesn't mean that I'm not putting up quote unquote content. Everything else is going to stay the same. It's just not all going to get emailed to you. And there'll be one email a week that's like an essay. And it's going to be like, also, here's what has happened this week in case you missed it. So it might not hit for some people because you want to be alerted when a thing comes out. But I know that there's a lot of people who are bothered by the amounts of emails that this thing sends. And I totally understand it. It's just unfortunate that if you don't have the app, that's the only way to notify people. And there's no way, I don't know why this isn't a feature yet, you'd think I'd be able to go, okay, we'll send it, ding people on the app, not email. That They don't have that yet. And uh, I know that there were several people who unsubscribed stating, I don't wanna get all these emails. And I don't want that to happen. So um, here's the thing, you'll just have to check in on the Substack and just know that I'm bringing you stuff every week and it will be there. And then on Friday, oh shit, today's Friday. I guess I better send that email. (laughs) Not with this, but uh, anyways, I hope that works for everybody. You know, you can't please all the people all the time, but I'm trying to be, uh, me personally, I'm like, well, just ignore the email. That's what I would do. (laughs) You know, that's me. Um, But we're all different people. And I want everyone's experience here to be good. So I'm gonna try that out. One email a week, but that doesn't mean one piece of entertainment a week. Everything continues as is. I love y'all so much. Thank you for being here. Take care of yourselves. And hey, go listen to Putting On Airs. Uh, It's out now. Me and Trey talked about expeditions, expeditioners, uh, Queen Victoria's teeny tiny dress. And uh, I read some really fun uh, airmail. One from our very own substacker, Kim C. Uh, Kim, I'm only calling you that. I know your last name, but I get confused on how to say it. Is it Cuasto? That's what I want to say. I feel like I'm right, but I could be wrong. Kim sent in a very lovely email. Always love it uh, when a substacker is also an airhead and sends us airmail. Love y'all. Have a great day. Peace. Bye-bye.